the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Issuing company and other factors. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. You want to know how I'm getting along with God or you're getting along with God? Then look at how I deal with people, how you deal with people, because the one invariably leads to the other. If you love God, it's going to show up in the way you love your neighbor and love your brother, the neighbor on the street and brother in the church. You can always tell how someone is getting along with God by how they're getting along with others. Have you ever met someone who claims to be a devout Christian but is better known for being a gossip and having a bad attitude towards others? Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy says we can't have it both ways. We can't love God if we don't love others. The message is titled Priority List and it comes from our series Essential Jesus, a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. And as we pick up again, we're in Mark chapter 12. Here is Philip DeCourcy. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 12. Here we are in the last week before Jesus' crucifixion. We're in the temple precincts. We've noted several controversies between Jesus and the religious establishment of Israel, and we're coming to one more encounter. It's tied into the former encounter between the Sadducees and Christ, and a scribe is introduced to us by Mark in verse 28, and he had been listening, and he had been eavesdropping in the former conversation, and he was taken by the intellectual brilliance of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he was able to reason his enemies into defeat. Look at what we read in verse 28. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them all well, asked, what is the first commandment of all? Well, what's most important, Jesus? Prioritize my life for me. And Jesus does that. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there's three things I want to say based on the text, what I call the concern, verse 28, and then what I call the clarification, verse 29, following, then what I call the compliment, verse 32, following. What's the greatest commandment? That's his concern. That's a question he wants Jesus to answer. You know, the Lord Jesus liked to talk about things that were needful and things that must come first. Remember how Jesus said to his own disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus loved to talk about the things that were needful, essential, and first. Life requires a priority list. You need to prioritize your life. There are some things that are more important than other things. You've got to determine what one, two, and three is 
So that you don't live your life fulfilling four, five, and six. Doing good things, but not the best of things. Listen, everything cannot be a priority. I love this guy. Hey, Jesus, what's the first commandment of all? Let's boil it down. Get me to the heart of life. So that's what we might call the concern. Let's secondly go to what I call the clarification. Jesus answered him. What's the question? Which is the first and greatest of all commandments? Jesus answered him. The first of all the commandments is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the first. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. That's the measure. From head to toe, Our lives are to be about loving God. Every breath we draw is for the purpose of loving God. Every day he gives is for the purpose of loving God. Every tick of the clock should be like the starter's gun moving us to loving God more. Because that's what it's about. Throughout the entirety of our life, we're to love God with the entirety of our being. The heart deals with the seat of one's will, one's emotions, Even one's intellect and mind. The heart is often used in the Word of God in place of the mind. So again, the word heart almost would have been enough. But let's take that maybe even as the seed of emotions, feelings. We're to love God with all of our emotions and feelings. But you don't want it to be all heat and no light. And so we need to bring our mind to bear upon our relationship with God. We need to love God and worship God cognitively. We need to open the book. We need to be on our knees. We need to seek the help of the Holy Spirit, the teacher. But we've got to think through how we can love God by wrestling with the revelation of God's Word. We've got to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. What's soul? It's probably, again, an all-compassing idea of the very principle of life. God breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul. Strength? Well, I think that's somewhat self-explanatory, you know. Thinking is hard work. Loving and giving one's emotions and will to something's hard work. So you've got to bring your strength, bring your energy, bring your all to bear. So when you really boil it down, Mark is recording Jesus' words, and Jesus' words are just conveying this. You're to love God with all that you are and all that you're capable of doing. You're all in. You're holding nothing back, head to toe, Monday to Sunday. It's about loving God with a singular devotion. That's the measure. And you know what? That's the way God has loved us. That's the way he has loved us. He's loved us completely, hasn't he? Having delivered up his own son, having spared nothing, will he not with him freely give us all things? Romans 8. But that's not only the measure. We've got what I call the means. I mean, if this is the priority, we've got to get about the business of doing it, of loving God, the word used here is agape. It means to willfully seek the highest good of another through action at the cost to oneself. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, well, if this is first and this is foremost, how do we do it? Well, one could conclude from the text that one of the ways you can do it is by treating others kindly. Because we're to love God and then we're to love our neighbor. I'm going to look into this more fully in a few moments, but at least there's one thing plain in the text. Loving God leads to loving others. You can't love God and hate your brother. Isn't that what the Apostle John says? 
because the one invariably leads to the others. If you and I are full of the love of God and the love of Christ and the gospel, it will absolutely, naturally, sequentially spill over in the love for people. John makes that argument, doesn't he, in his letter? One of the marks of a saved person is love. If you're unloving, if you're gnarly, if you're bitter, if you're unforgiving, you may not be saved. Because you see, when you look into the face of God and you drink from the fountain of his love, you want to bring that refreshment to others. But let's go outside the text just for a couple of moments. I was helped by David Jeremiah, by Robert Morgan, several other writers, to come up with a list of things that would at least be a means of loving God. Number one, treating others kindly, Mark 12, verse 31. I'm going to go down these quickly, so write them down. We don't have time to expound these deeply. Another one, loving the Bible. Write down Psalm 119, 47, 97, and 119, where the psalmist says in a Psalm all about the Word of God. I love your law. I mean, you love someone. You love everything about them. You love to hear from them. You love to listen to them. You want to hear their words and what they're saying. What's the same with God? Do you love Him then? Hear from Him. Love His Word. Because the Word is the mind and the heart of God revealed. And go beyond just reading it and loving it. Keep it. That would be the third thing. Treat others kindly. Love the Bible keep his commandments. John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Here's another thing. Love the church. Peter, do you love me? Oh, Lord, I love you. Okay, then go feed my sheep. John 21, 15 to 17. In Peter's case, loving God meant loving the church through teaching. I do many other things than teach. I try to love you many other ways than teaching. But one of the primary ways I love you, believe me, is teaching. It's how I love you best. It's biblical. Peter, do you love me? Then go and feed the flock. Here's another way to love God. Anticipate his imminent return. Speaking of Jesus' second coming. 2 Timothy 4, verse 18. What does Paul say? There awaits for me a crown of righteousness that God will give me, and not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. One of the things that concerns me about the contemporary church is a lack of interest in prophetic scripture. You're meant to love his appearing. I know there's controversy surrounding it. I know that good people are divided over it. But don't let that put you off with a serious attempt to grapple with perhaps 20% of the Bible regarding things that lie in the future. Love his appearing. Here's another way to love God. Publicly confess our love for him. You know what the psalmist says in Psalm 18 verse 1? I love you, Lord. How can you love God? By telling him you love him. I hope that throughout the week in talking to your family, your friends, that comes out just naturally. You know what? Have I told you recently, I love the Lord Jesus. I really do love him. Here's the ways in which I love him because here's the ways in which he loves me. Here's the things that are lovely about him. Another way to do that is make sure when you come here, you know what? You don't stand like a mannequin when we're in the middle of worship, but you bring all your soul to praise him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. I love you, Lord. There's another way. Hate evil. Psalm 97, verse 10, one of the ways to love God is to hate evil. Another way to love God is to converse with God in prayer. Psalm 116, verses 1 to 2. And finally, another way to love God is to help your brothers. Because John says in 1 John 4, verse 20, following, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. 
And you can't say you love God and you learn about a brother who's in need and you don't meet his need. So that's the measure. That's the means. We have also got what I call the movement. The movement. The movement is from loving God to loving others. It's important that we see that. Jesus said, here's the first commandment, love God. But here's the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The one follows the other like a horse and a carriage. Oh, we're to love God above everyone else and everything else. But we're not to love God in isolation. We're told in several scriptures in the New Testament that the fulfillment of the law is to love one's neighbor. Write it down, Romans 13, verse 10. Romans 15, verses 1 and 2, and James 2, verse 8. We're to love our neighbor in the name of loving God, because the one leads to the other. We cannot be full of God's love, and that not overspill and touch the lives of others. And John reminds us in 1 John 3, 14 to 18, and 1 John 4, 8 to 21, we're to love our brother. I was in conversation with my friend Mark Hitchcock a while back, and he quoted Stanley Toussaint, a well-known professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And Mark said this, that Toussaint said to him, Mark, you can always tell how someone is getting along with God by how they're getting along with others. That's a good little statement. You want to know how I'm getting along with God or you're getting along with God? Then look at how I deal with people, how you deal with people, because the one invariably leads to the other. If you love God, it's going to show up in the way you love your neighbor and love your brother, the neighbor on the street and brother in the church. And the ways in which we do that, well, that's broad and wide. We don't have time to go there. I mean, at the broadest point, you could look at Luke 10 and the story of the Good Samaritan. And in that story, Jesus defines a neighbor as someone you come in contact with who has a need. Now, we've got to qualify that because, again, we're back to you're finite and you've got limited resources. You can't fix everybody. You can't eradicate every social ill in the world. But I want to tell you something. I believe that there are people on my street, people within my sphere of circle, as there are in yours, who are in need. And they're my neighbor, according to the Bible. They may not be Christians. They could be Jews. They could be Hindus. They could be Buddhists. They could be Islamists. They're my neighbor, and I'm meant to love them in Jesus' name. And if they have got a need and I have an ability to meet that need, I'm to do it out of love for God, out of fulfillment of the law, realizing this is one of the priority callings on my life. And while I can't fix everybody, and while I can't eradicate every social ill on any given day, on any given week, across my life, you and I need to have a track record of people who can stand up and say, you know what, on that day, Philip the Corsi gave me this, or Billy, or John, or Mary did that. And they did it in Jesus' name, by the way. And even though I'm not a Christian, I must admit, it was a powerful witness to me as to the life-changing power and presence of Jesus Christ in a person. That's at its widest point. At its narrowest point, I'd recommend you go to Leviticus 19 and you'll see a list of things in Leviticus 19, in that context that speak about loving one's neighbor. That's care for the poor. Don't steal. Don't lie. Be fair in your business dealings. Care for the deaf, the blind. Deal justly with oil. Avoid slander, and so on and so forth. If we could push these walls down and look far afield, there are people all around us who need to be loved by us this week. That's how you love God, by treating others kindly. The one follows the other. It's the movement It's the natural outcome. Let me finish with this thought, what I call the compliment. The compliment. Let's go back to our text. 
So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. I mean, he had been impressed, hadn't he, in verse 28, of the way Jesus had been able to reason with the Sadducees and how he answered them well. And now he's doubly impressed because Jesus has answered his question well. And you've got the compliment. The compliment starts with the scribe. You've spoken the truth. There is one God. There's no other but He. You're to love Him with all your heart and understanding and soul and strength. And then you're to love one's neighbor as oneself. You know what? I get it, Jesus. This is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's a great statement. And Jesus is about to commend Him for that. Because He's acknowledging which wasn't true of other scribes and religious leaders because Jesus will chastise them, won't he, in Matthew 23, that they're like the graves on the side of the hill outside Jerusalem that are white on the outside and full of dead men's bones. And the danger of religion in Jesus' day was it concentrated on the outside, not the inside. It was formal. It was ceremonial. It lacked life and conformity to the Word of God. And this man acknowledges, you know what? Loving your neighbor And loving God is the fulfillment of the law. It's more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. He's kind of echoing, isn't he, the Old Testament warning that it's better to obey than to sacrifice? Because you see, the fulfillment of the law is about the heart before it's about the hand. It's about the inside before it's about the outside. And so he acknowledges that. He compliments Jesus. You know what? You're right. You've got us down to the essence of the law. And as we wrap up, Jesus returns the favor. One compliment leads to another compliment. Look at what Jesus says in verse 34. You are not far from the kingdom of God. You know what? There's a chance for you. Because Matthew tells us he's part of a larger number that are still trying to test and trap Jesus. But there's a sincerity about this bloke. He's gone to Jesus, asked him a serious question. He loves Jesus' answer. He recognizes that when you get down to it, it's about loving God in the light of his love for us. And Jesus said, you know what? You're not far from the kingdom. I compliment you in that you've complimented me. This guy was on the right road. The destination was in sight. All he needed to do was cross the line and put his faith in Jesus Christ as the promised one, the teacher of Israel and the savior of mankind. Now, the Bible doesn't record if he did it. There's an inherent warning here. You're not far. But if you remain where you are, you might as well be far because you can be near and yet far. And so there's an inherent warning. And that warning is found in the Word of God. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, then he tells the story of a rich young ruler who came, it seemed, with some sincere intention. How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, and he didn't like the answer. You know what the Bible says? Jesus loved him. He wasn't lost because God didn't love him. He was lost because he didn't take the medicine prescribed. And it says he went away sad. So near. So far. Another example, what about King Agrippa? Remember how Paul stood before King Agrippa and challenged him? What did King Agrippa say in Acts 26, verse 28? You almost persuade me to be a Christian. I just could, one step would do it, Paul. I like what you're saying. It's coherent, makes sense. It echoes within my own thinking about life. (laughs) You almost persuade me. But people go to hell almost saved, almost persuaded, so near the kingdom. I hope that's not true of you. I'm guessing there are people in each of our services who are near the kingdom. The spouse of a Christian, the child of a believing parent, 
the friend of a Christian workmate, and you've come, and you've found out we're not as odd as the television tells you we are, and this is a loving congregation made up of real people, and their love for God seems real, and the Word of God is preached logically and coherently, and it finds an echo in your own heart. It begins to help you frame and make sense of life, and you're near. But listen, you can be near and far even when you're near and not far. Don't make that mistake. You know you can be on the one-yard line and not score. You know that you can see the shoreline and still drowned 30 feet from the beach. That's why John Bunyan said in Pilgrim's Progress, it's quite a line, I perceived that there was a way to hell from the very gates of heaven. And Jesus is warning. He loves this man. Hey, Jesus, you're right. And Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom. You're getting it. And I crossed the line. Put all your chips into the middle of the table. Make a decision. Put your faith in me. Enter the kingdom. Almost saved, yet lost. It's a real danger. Don't let that be true of you. Don't let your epitaph be for all of eternity. Almost. Not far, but never entered. If we can help you put your faith in Christ today, please speak to us. Let's pray. Lord, we just pause and allow the weight of this passage to settle on us. We're about to go out on the busy roads. We're going to put the radio on. We'll get a call from our boss. And before long, we'll be making choices and decisions. And we need to have a priority list to make sure we're doing one, two, and three and that five, six, and seven isn't becoming more important than one, two, and three. And so, oh God, help us to live according to priorities, not pressures. Help us to decide what your will is. It's to love you. It's to love our neighbor. It's to enter the kingdom of God through faith in your son. These are the big rocks. Help us to make sure they are placed squarely in the right place in our lives. For those that are not far from the kingdom, We pray you'll draw them over the line. We pray that they'll come easily and come quickly to that decision that indeed Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. I must be born again to see the kingdom of God. May they put their faith in your dear Son and live life to the full according to its primary purpose. For we ask and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Philip DeCourcy with a message titled Priority List from the series Essential Jesus. You can hear more on our website when you go to ktt.org. Here on Know the Truth, we present these daily Bible teachings so that you and other listeners like you can grow in your devotion to Christ. That comes through hearing God's Word and responding to the Holy Spirit. Know the Truth only exists through the donations of people like you who give so that these messages can be heard. If you are growing in faith and understanding, we're asking you to give a gift today in support of this ministry. I'll share our contact information in just a moment. First, to thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll send you a resource by pastor and theologian Sinclair Ferguson. It's a book titled Child in the Manger, The True Meaning of Christmas. Full of thoughtful exposition, solid theology, and worshipful adoration of Jesus Christ, This book will help you read and experience the Christmas story like it's your first time. Give a donation and request Child in the Manger when you call 888-644-8811. 
or go to ktt.org. Many listeners prefer to send a check, and if that's you, address your envelope to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you've never contacted us before, we'd like to welcome you to Know the Truth with a free CD from Philip DeCourcy. It's called Finding the Heart to Go On. The holiday season can be difficult, filled with family strife and painful memories. In this message, Philip shows how God's Word can give you hope this season. Request Finding the Heart to Go On when you contact us for the first time. There's no cost or obligation when you call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us again Wednesday as we look at the most important question a person can ask on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. WAVA presents a Christmas concert with Point of Grace and Aaron Schust. Point of Grace, Friday, December 8th at Christ Chapel in Woodbridge. Oh, there's no place like home for the holiday. Celebrate Christmas with Point of Grace, Friday, December 8th. General admission discounted tickets are only $20. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. Point of Grace and Aaron Schust, Friday, December 8th at Christ Chapel in Woodbridge. Get your tickets now at WAVA.com keyword concert. That's WAVA.com keyword concert. There are all kinds of people in Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.